The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. I'm Jesse, we have David and Pat today. Hey, how's it going? Not too shabby. So, uh, before recording, Dave, you were um, you were talking about Mechanicum. Yeah, yeah. I so I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of late to the party, but um, we were talking Jesse on a uh, I don't know if it was a chat or whatever, but um, you were like, "Yeah, Mechanicum, it's awesome." And I think you said something like, "I started it because robots, but." I stayed because Knights and Titans, and that was all it took to sell me on it, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to it on audiobook, and there were a lot of interesting parts, but because I have like two hours of commute every day, sometimes I would just kind of blank out. And then 15 minutes, I went, oh, shoot, (laughs) what did I miss? But when the story about the the Legio and the Knights came on, it, it drew my attention in pretty good. Just for some uh, background for the people who are listening, Dave probably has the largest uh, collection of Titans, at least in the 30K group in uh, Richmond. Is that right, Dave? Um, yeah, I think now that Josh has probably left, Josh had like legit, oh, like a legit warlord, but I've got okay. two two Reavers and a, and a Warhound, so probably, yeah. Pretty legit. Safe to say. I don't think anyone else around here has two Reavers, much less a single Reaver, to be honest. <laughs> right? Ah, uh, the Reaver. It just wants to be a warlord. But uh, anyway, we'll see. I hope I get my I hope I get my first kill at uh, at Big Lamb and Nova this year. That would, um, that would be cool. It's all I want, man. It's all I want out of life. I just want to kill a fucking warlord. But uh, pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. But Pat, you're uh, you're listening to Mechanicum too. Yeah, so I'm like halfway through, and do we really need to say spoiler warnings at this point? I know I was talking to Will about spoiler it. Spoiler warning. We're going to talk about Mechanicum. Yeah, it's been like what? Just keep going forward until we stop talking about Mechanicum. <laughs> um, I'm at the part where like they open the vault and like the Magus is given like the malicious scrap code and opens his eyes and shit. Such a powerful moment, dude. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And then the part where uh, I guess there the the female magus or she is psyker. Uh, I can't honestly remember. Is they're researching like this new uh, plug to use into uh, the skull of someone. So there's two. So there's there's a uh, tech adept uh, Zoriel or. Coriel Zeth, right? Who's the the Majos of the Magma City? She's the tech tech adept, the tech Majos. Okay. And then there's Dahlia Sithra, who's like this unaugmented human. She's a, described as a psyker, but her psychic potential is really very unique in the sense that she's like she can intuit um, machine knowledge basically from the warp. So she's basically got this. Fucking, so it's like passive. Yeah, it's very passive. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty unique. It's pretty neat. Fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah. 
just the way they lay out that scene where like the magus leads them into this hall where there's just like bodies and tubes and then this one guy hooked to this chair and describing how they use this whole system to pull things from the warp I mean, is anybody else at that point like going uh, Golden Throne astronomical? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so into it, man. And there's so many. I feel like Mechanicum is one of those really kind of keystone novels of the Horse Heresy because there's so many plot lines that link into it, right? So you've got oh, Regulus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely a essential heresy reading for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I would put it essential heresy reading like top four or five. Yeah, I'd say that's fair as far as plot wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know, Pat, what do you think? I mean, so far, like originally when I started it, I thought, oh, Mechanicum. I'm not a big Mechanicum guy. I play Sons of Horus. Yeah, they're important. But um, and like part of the way through, like a quarter of the way through, through i lost interest and i started listening to other things and then dave you started talking in chat this week and you're just like dude you gotta read it you gotta listen to it and so i got hooked right back in um i'm excited to get to the point where you've been talking about how they've got knights fighting and titans fighting the idea of these gigantic machines fighting is pretty awesome yeah yeah i mean it it definitely does it for me i don't know jesse yeah, like I don't know. They're, they're just I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going in that book. Like you said, mention of felt like the origins of the Golden Throne in a way. I just love whenever legions of titans when it goes to the human side, where they talk about you know their houses and how this one has betrayed the honor of our house. And I don't know it's pretty neat. Yeah, it definitely gives a lot more background to the whole like loyalties and allegiances and the background of uh of of Titan, you know, Titan legios and everything. But uh um yeah, man, it's so rich. And um I uh, yeah, I hear you uh yeah, definitely hear you typing that. Um sorry. <laughs> it's all good, man. Uh yeah, so I, I actually I went into um, the Horse Heresy Black Books looking for any background on the Schism of Mars or the Death of Innocence and just like anything that's talking about this and could not find it until I hit book four. Yep, the one and, with the Titans with the Titan rules, I think. Uh, huh. so book four's got some Titan rules, but book five, Tempest, has the Warlord. That's ah, the gotcha. that's, gotcha. that's the Betrayal of Calf book. Um, but book four, book four is just a fucking amazing book, dude. It's like book four to me stands alone from all the other horse heresy, black books. Um, but I mean, that's, that's definitely meat for another, another conversation. But like, so in book four, in the Legio Tempestus, uh, section, they do start to talk about, um, the events of, of the schism of Mars and the, and the Tempestus Legio and, um, the night house of, uh, Tyrannus. So, um, there's a little bit in there. It's pretty cool, but you have to hunt for it. Very cool. Yeah. Any specific yeah. tidbits that you remember that you enjoyed or, uh, yeah. So in the black book, so I, I am a big fan of Dan Abnett's book, Titanicus. If you guys 
have not read Titanicus, uh, if you read it, you're just going to like, you're just going to want to go out and get a Titan because it's, it's all about um, the Titan Wars on a, um, a forge world. That's kind of um, it's in the, it's in the 40 K universe, but this forge world is sort of undergoing a schism. Actually it's set in the whole uh, Sabat crusade. So if you've read Gaunt Ghosts or if you read um, Double Eagle or any of Dan Abnett's sort of other 40K genre novels, um, Titanicus is sort of an offshoot of that universe. So it plays on the whole uh, chaos incursion into the Sabbat worlds. And um, it's, it's just so fucking good, man. It's just Titan on Titan combat. And it's uh, Orestes Hive. And if you... Go into the black books and you start reading in the Legio Tempestus section. You see that Tempestus, uh, as they expanded during the Great Crusade, got like, uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's like squatters rights. It's not, that's not the right word, right? But it's like they got, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not squatters rights. But they got rights to like certain forge worlds that were discovered. And Orestes was one of them. And I was like, fucking fist bump. Alan Bly, man, that is a solid reference to uh, Dan Abnett and Legio uh, uh, Invicta. So that was a very cool Easter egg. Yeah. Sorry, when you said squatters, right? I, I just imagined like a princept, like sitting on a trash can, smoking a half <laughs> half of a cigar, like with a broken boot and a messed up hat. I'm just whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not too far from the truth, dude. I have learned so much about the 30k, 40k universe reading Mechanicum. That's just fucking blown my mind, right? So, like, when uh, Terra is going through old old night, you know, and they're like going through fucking civil war and techno barbarian hordes and and uh, you know demonic possession. Mars is like, you know what? Fuck you guys, crazy Earthlings. We're gonna, we're like, we're gonna go and send out explorator fleets. We're gonna found forge worlds. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna explore the universe. So, like, while Terra's going through like this total, um, up like post-apocalyptic, grim, dark, um, experience, Mars is like, no, nah, man. We're sending out explorator fleets. We're sending out Legio uh, Titan. We're sending out Titan legions. We're setting up Forge Worlds. Um, I mean, just crazy backstory uh, setting that makes sense when you get into the Heresy. Because as as you know, as the Emperor and the and the legions, uh, the Adeptus Astarte legions go and and start to to reconquer the known galaxy. You know, they're coming across all these lost human civilizations and these lost forge worlds that were established, um, you know, during old night. So it's, it's pretty fucking good backstory, man. Pretty fucking good. Says David. (laughs) (laughs) So with that uh, review out of the way, it's a pretty cool review. Um, what have we been up to? Who wants to start that? Pat, you can start. Okay. (laughs) Uh, i'll go first so uh let's see what i've been working on for i guess the past week or so i built a uh, command squad for my uh custom sons of forest praetor they've all got awesome jump packs and shields and melee weapons 
Then um, I've been churning out some orc BFG uh, battleships and cruisers and escorts lately. I'm no thanks oh, to yeah. Dave and Stephen Austin. You know, I'm now obsessed with this shit. So <laughs> it's it's grabbing a whole bunch of people in our group. Oh yeah, especially with uh, potentially uh, doing like an exhibition game at Nova. I'm real excited. Yeah, that's, that's a cool. thing. How about you, Dave? So, <clears throat> I mean, I've been playing a lot of uh, Battlefleet Heresy, actually. Um, Austin and Steven and I finished up round two of our, uh, our campaign today. Um, it was it was awesome. We, we were able to play uh, three different raid missions. So the map that we're playing on, um, we hold different... Uh, world, so there's like civilized world. It's it's in the Ulanor sector of space. So, if, you know, where where the Greenskins used to be in in Ulanor and all the planets that surround it. So, so there are um, agro worlds, mining worlds, and civilized worlds, and there are warp routes that connect all of them. And then Ulanor is kind of the prize. So uh, we kicked off the campaign probably three weeks ago. Uh, got through the first round, figured out that we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, or at least Steven and I. Um, and Austin was gracious, gracious enough to like give us a, a restart. So um, we, uh, we re- rebooted the campaign two weeks ago, and um, we've been going just hard in the paint ever since. And uh, today was awesome. Uh, I think Steven played really, really well. Uh, he won... I want to say he won both of his missions, but he may not have uh, won both of his missions. Um, but I think we're all kind of kind of around the same point in uh, points and and renown. But definitely want to talk about uh, Battlefleet Gothic, Battlefleet Heresy, the whole Heresy rule set uh, at some point in the future when we've got both Austin and Steven. Because um, I mean, those guys have done so much to kind of expand the rule set and expand the universe and just kick this thing off and get it going. Yep, definitely. I think uh, Steven wrote an article and him and Austin, I think a few others may have collaborated to have Horus Heresy rule set. And you can check it out at richmond30k.com. We have that article up there. So if you want to check it out. Is that the web, is that where the website is now, Jesse? Is that yes. where we're hanging everything? Richmond30k.com? Yep. Yep. Articles written by several of our players, our group. Yeah, that's where we're starting to go to. Richmond30k.com. And there's like a lot of good hobby content there too, right? It's it's not just uh not just articles, but uh I mean, I don't know what else is there. Yeah, I did a like a short and sweet little uh painting tutorial for some of the uh what's that stuff? The um those uh, storage containers, yeah, right? Storage containers. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a few other things. I think Pat had put an article down in there. So it's it's small right now. We just started, but we're hoping that it'll be a nice central hub for people to come check out our content. Yeah, and there's a there's a link to the Remembrancers Retreat on there. There's uh, generally all our big events that we throw in Richmond, like. We usually say, hey, if you're not a new player, have a fully painted army. Just because everybody likes playing against a fully painted army. And it always makes you feel good to field a fully painted army. And just like we've got breakdown of that. But then we also have stuff like, you know, um, Jason did a breakdown of how he paints his 
black and red sons of, or excuse me, thousand sons, which is kind of cool. Yep, cool stuff. So, yeah. Also, in addition, exciting news: Remember the the Remembrances Retreat is now on iTunes. So, if you know anybody, give them a share. Be sure to subscribe. Subscribe, and um, if you got any constructive criticism, we'd love to hear it. We'd always love to be better. Most definitely. Yeah, guys, tell us what you're looking for, and uh, definitely uh, let us know what you think of of what we've covered so far. We're thinking about doing some additional content. I think maybe even releasing, um, what are we calling, like mini-sodes uh, every other week or every week. Um, about let's, specific let's, let's not get too ahead of ourselves there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sign, totally. sign everyone up for that right now. Yeah. Yeah. What have like you been it? working on, Jesse? Excuse me. Uh, myself, uh, let's see. Two weeks ago, I was hanging out with uh, Steven, just did a little bit of hobbying, been trying to uh, go out of the old closet with uh, little projects that have been untouched for months, if not almost a year now. Um, Picked up a few things from the uh, Nova Open, like some sisters prosecutors, so finally built those girls, Um, working on some Sons of Horus. I keep telling myself, I'm still debating, like... I'm building them, and I'm enjoying building them to an extent. I don't know if I want to take them to Nova Open yet or not. I still love my Dark Angels. It's because it seems like every week I'm still pulling something out of the shells, out of the box, and just kit bashing another knight with a big ass sword. Hell yeah! So we'll see how it goes. It looks like I've I've got enough Dark Angels to where I can bring something completely different for Nova Open, and I might do that. But yeah, there you go. Sons of Horus, a few Talons. That's been pretty much what I've been up to been staring at the Battlefleet Gothic that's been in a box right now. It's like, ugh, I guess I'll make this jump sometime. But for <laughs> now, yep, just heresy. How are you planning on, or I guess, what do you have so far for Sons of Horus, or built, painted, or otherwise? Uh, okay, so when I originally bought this, I bought it the very smart way, where I built a list, it's Centurion, oh. 2,500 points, and I bought exactly what I needed, which... I think still works, but for the most part, I have two 20-man tactical squadrons, um, two Contemptor Dreadnoughts, both running double gears, uh, ten Justerans. We have, let's see, Abaddon, of course. I think I have three Apothecaries, one for each of the 20-man tacticals and one with a jump pack who's also joining a 15-Reaverman jump pack squadron. And I think there's two chaplains mixed in to go with the two tacticals because obviously being very smart as well, that list that I wrote a long time ago is lost. So I just have to rebuild that list at some point. But I do know everything I have is in a box. And if I build that, I've got at least 2,500 points. And I also threw in Horus so I can go 3,000. It's a centurion list, so there's no armor or anything. It's just straight up guys and infantry. I mean, sounds competitive to me. Uh I know I love my Reaver squad. That's why I run Malagurs because I can take Reavers and Vets as troops. Yep. But you know, yep, very cool. Yeah, it's um, it was something different because I have Dark Angels and I play Loyalist, and I know most people like to have you know options as far as do you want to play Loyalist or Trader. And I know I hear those people out there. Oh, Dark Angels are traders too. They never got off the fuck off Caliban. So yeah, don't mind that. So anyway, yeah, so I got 
Sons of Horus as my traitor legion, slowly building up. Dark Angels as loyalists. Man, yeah, that's pretty much it. And the sisters. Oh, yeah. Well, so the Talons themselves are kind of just a rough hobby project that I might pull into Ally every now and then. I've got enough for, to go full-blown, but for the most part, it was pretty much just a just a hobby thing. They looked cool, and I wanted to paint them, but I've never actually played with them. I hear you. Yeah. I hear they're good, though. Someone told me. That. <laughs> they definitely look cool. Yeah. <laughs> I got two got- sisters' transports coming in. Oh, man. The, uh, <laughs> it's the Dune-esque cool. things. Yeah I, I, yeah. I haven't actually seen one in person, so it'll be nice to actually build them. Actually, I think they're already built. I just got to paint them, which is even better. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all magnetized too, right? Um, I'm not hundred percent sure, to be honest. I think they were just kind of a, they've got a little bit of caulk on them just to hold them in place at the moment, but I've got plenty of magnets to handle that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Let, let, let me know when they come in. Cause I thought, I know that one that I got from Dave was, uh, was fully magnetized. Um, like the did, front you, part. did you pick it up this uh this or last week or yeah okay yeah, so you so he he was selling three two that were unpainted one that was painted ready to go I'm pretty sure you got the one that was painted and ready to go yes so, I did I did and uh, Wake picked up thirty of the Sisters of Silence that were still on like basically yeah. on the crew <laughs> yeah. yeah so so Talon of the Emperor OP. Question mark? Like, I don't know. It's a lot of just a lot of sisters going on right now. I'm curious to see how they go. I mean, I know everybody put hands over your ears. I know the 40k custodes codex just dropped, and Will's been super excited about that. <clears throat> from what I've seen and from what I've played of Eighth Edition, they do look pretty nasty. It's a very low model count, but I'm kind of curious to see how they play out in the field. I'm just like. Forgive me if this sounds like at all crass or cynical. Like that's that's not what I'm trying to uh, to do or imply here. But like you are forgiven in advance. <laughs> what? Yeah, we'll see. What is going on? So like fucking ten thousand years go by, and like the the Legio Custodes are just like okay. I guess we hung out long enough. Like now it's time to get in the fight. Like what, what is, what is going on here? So I'm, so there's a book on that and I think it's just called um, the emperor's legion. And it does take place in the new eighth edition timeline. And it does recount the story of how basically the custodians decide to bring the fight back to the galaxy. I guess this is the point where even though this is the last hope of mankind. Now it's really, really, really <laughs> mankind's last hope. And now it's this is what it takes for the custodians to get back in action. Like, from what I understand, and I haven't read the books, but just from what I understand and the gist of it is, Gilliman's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Just prancing around, you know, the palace. Get out there. We need <laughs> we need men. We, we need... We need a lot of arms. We need a lot of fighting people out there. Right. You right. guys have All the best shit. Why aren't you fucking using it? Get out yeah. there. <laughs> Stop dusting a corpse and get your ass out here. And the yeah. custodians are like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, gentlemen. <laughs> so let's just rev up these bikes and let's go. Oh, yeah. They're uh, Kitty Puff Juniors. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, goodness. I don't know, man. I, I, really, I really do hope this whole, like, 
this new narrative arc, which I'm all about, man. I'm all about advancing the, the, the plot line forward, right? Like getting a little closer to midnight, but like Papa G comes back and it's like Papa G sits down with the, uh, the custodes and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck have you guys been doing? For 10,000 years. And they're like, like what have you been doing, Gilliman? <laughs> just sleeping on a throne for 10,000 years? I'm oh, sorry. Man. So bad. No, it's true. I mean, <laughs> I, I, times. Mean, I don't know. And like, We all and, like to have fun here at the Remembrances Retreat. Yeah. It's all oh, yeah. 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 yeah we are not, this is not a, uh, we're, we're not an, an eighth edition, anti eighth edition podcast. Like, I just don't, I like, literally, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not up to date on the plot line, man. I don't know where we are right now. It's it's the end of mankind. The end of the end of everything. (laughs) Again, it's the end of everything. Again, (laughs) again. Nice, nice. Well, I know, like Katie is gone, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Got blown the fuck up. Katie's just fucking gone. Yep. Yeah. And isn't isn't like the the uh, the hey? But the guard never fell. I'm just putting that out there. That's right. The garden. (laughs) Oh, what is it? The planet broke before the guard did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry, what was your question, that. Dave? Isn't like the the Blood Angels homeworld like basically gone too? I think they were in a pretty much pretty bad pinch as well. I don't know their storyline just as much, to be honest. But I feel like they had a Terranid invasion and not too many survived. But then Gilliman and the Primaris Marines came in and now Blood Angels yeah. are like Eighty percent Primaris, or something of that matter. I'm just pulling that number out of my head. Don't quote me on that one. If I also remember correctly, like I guess part of the lore is there's this big schism in the warp, and like uh, an entire hive fleet gets like destroyed or sucked into the warp, or something like that, too. Hmm. But again, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wow. Like I care about bugs, but. Yeah. Also, Primaris is the new hotness. And I'd like to take just a minute to just put my put my mindset out here. This is my opinion. You guys can agree or disagree. It's fine. I'm perfectly fine with the Primaris Marines. I was a little eh at first, but then I realized, so people have been complaining that Space Marines are not true scale for a decade or two now. So GW decides, okay, we're going to make bigger Marines. But we don't want people to complain that, oh, we can't use our old Marines anymore. So, okay, here's a storyline that shows that gives you bigger Marines, but you can still play your old Marines. And I'm just still like, I guess that's not good enough for some people. I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. Like GW did the best they could. In my mind, they did this with the intent to make fairly true scale Marines. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, I I think, Jesse, I think in... I think in less than five years, probably two to three years, I think there will not even be this distinction between Primaris Marines and Marines like that you have now. I think they'll all just be Marines. I think I think I think Primaris Marines will probably get like probably in the lore they'll probably get retconned down to like Gilliman came back, did some shady backroom deals with like Crawl, right? And, you know, upgraded the the Space Marine genome uh, a little bit, but the whole scale thing, I, I, I think I think it'll be gone. I don't I, think, I don't actually think it'll be that big a deal. I think even when you think about it, just how grimdark the 41st millennium is anyway, 
most of your older Marines are going to die off anyway, and they're just going to be replaced with Primaris. So eventually, like in the timeline, a thousand years from now, they're probably all there is is going to be Primaris Marines or maybe just a handful of, you know, old school space Marines. Do you think we're going to get to like the like 42nd millennium? Do you think like that we're actually going to advance the clock? I mean, that'd be so fucking mind blowing, dude. Well, it took them, what, 30 years to get to this point? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's feels, about right. There comes to a point where they they have to keep it at a specific timeline because just looking at everything without the most glorious of Mary Sue's coming in, you know, it's the end. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So without yeah. the return, I would say without the return of the emperor, no. But okay, dude, dude, dudes, dude. Dude, dude, dude. For, where's my car? For, for reals. Uh, did you guys just see? And I don't even know if this is legit or not. Like, this could just be total internet like shenanigans and hoaxes. But I believe that I just saw a um, white dwarf uh, leak snapshot of Eisenhorn. Yes. I did oh, see yeah. that. He looks awesome. He looks so good. So, which leads me to believe, right, what, and I have zero background on this, so please don't judge me, internet, or or go ahead and whatever, flame me, I don't care. But, um, which leads me to believe that uh, they're going to go down the rabbit hole of Radical Inquisitor, and I don't know. I, I mean, in my I wildest fantasies, in my wildest dreams, fucking Eisenhorn... Uh, kills the emperor and releases him back into the void, and he is reborn, and we get the forty-second millennium. Okay, you're—I have no idea. Radical Inquisitor, you might have to backtrack on me because you're losing me there. Like Eisenhorn killing the emperor, what's going on here? <laughs> have you not read the series? I have not read the series. So oh man, <laughs> there oh, seems like no, a lot of spoilers have been given. Why don't you guys spoiler alert me? Spoiler alert! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert! <laughs> Fucking go back. Just go back. Go back and put that in. Okay. Okay. Cut tape. Yeah. Cut tape. Alert. <laughs> Just put yeah. a bunch of white noise over us. That'd be great. Sadly, I know, folks, it's crazy, but not everybody knows everything about even some of the most popular Warhammer things. So yeah. I apologize for uh, for my lack of knowledge in this scenario. I mean, Dave, I could make you a Ravenor uh, model. It's just a black box, right? Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, well, after whatever ha- tragedy happened to him at the like the gates, he's like basically a fl- he's like a little floating coffin, dude. But with like super psychic potential. <laughs> right. The psychic box. Yeah. Now I just see it like some sort of character in Futurama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ravenor speaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great series, Jesse. If you if you get a chance. For sure. Um, Wonder if they got an sure audiobook. Yeah, audiobook. I think they're all on audiobook. I have to check. Yeah, them out. I think yeah. so. Yeah, but which I mean, the the whole idea, like I, I wanted a Ravenor model, or not, I wanted an Eisenhorn model for years and years and years because, like, back in the Eye of Terror day, you know, days, I think it was like fifth, maybe fifth edition. Jesse, do you remember when they released the? The, the demon host codex the uh in, like the inquisition imperial 
agents. I am a sixth edition baby. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but I do have a few uh, codexes lying about that are a little older than that, but I don't think I have that one. Please regale us with your tale, though, Dave. Oh, my God. So in fifth edition, uh, I think it was probably fifth edition. It may have been fourth, but I think it was fifth edition. So you could play a radical inquisitor who basically trapped demons inside of these hosts, uh, which were they were like shackled to like human psychic kind of conduits. And they were demon hosts, right? That was what they were called. And they had the most ridiculous rules. <laughs> they were like completely unpredictable. Uh, you rolled a D6 for them each turn. And you just never knew what they were going to do. Like on a four, they would like regenerate D3 wounds. On on a five or a six, they were just going to like fucking beast out and go like uh, like strength six, toughness six, like five attacks. Like it was it was insane, right? They were just they were like going to go beast mode. Um, and then like on a one or two, they were like going to do nothing, right? We're like it's going to wander around, right? Like you lost control. Um, it was just the most it was it was the most uh unpredictable list you could play but i had so much fun playing it and it was all about uh it was all about the fluff and the lore uh about eisenhorn and uh it was just it was it was good times good times well, now was this by any chance one of those inquisitors obi-wan sherlock Clouseau? <laughs> what? you've heard of him right uh, no. Well, no. apparently this is like in the old Rogue Trader days. There's an Inquisitor who basically looks like just a neck beard and a trench coat and a wide-brimmed <laughs> hat with a yin-yang symbol on his uh, on his tank top. And his name is Obi-Wan Sherlock Clouseau. That's perfect. It's just yeah, like I've, all of the cultural appropriation rolled into yep, one. I've got the, uh, <laughs> the old uh, Index Astartes thing. A typical Inquisitor is represented here by the renowned Obi-Wan Sherlock Clouseau, a tireless exposer of psychic misdeeds and genetic deviance. He wears a suit of skin tightly powered uh, he wears a suit he wears a suit of skin tight powered armor under a long enveloping cloak. Like most Inquisitors, he disdains the open wearing of a helmet in favor of civilian headwear. Inquisitors tend to be eccentric in their dress as well as their lifestyles. Under his cloak are hidden various energy field devices, conversion field, stasis field, and refractor field. Only one can be used at once, of course. That's kind of cool. They mentioned the refractor field. Uh, his favorite yeah. weapon is the bolt pistol, although he also carries a power sword and three Jokero digital weapons, hand flamer, las pistol, las pistol, and needle pistol. He has several grenades secreted about his person, including two each of blind, choke, haywire, and knockout. And one of each crack, plasma, stun, stum, tangle foot, and vortex. He also has a communicator, bioscanner, energy scanner, nose filters, photochromatic eye drops, an immune injector, infravision contacts, chemicals for the Jokero needler, a porter rack, a rad counter, a stimul stimulant chemical, a sin, a sin skin applicator of sufficient chemical for three uses, three suspensors, and a can of web solvent. As can be seen, Obi-Wan Sherlock Clouseau is equipped for just about anything. But then he has to be. He's an Inquisitor. 230 points, Obi-Wan Sherlock Clouseau. Jesus. A fucking Jedi detective, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. 
Where Jesse? Where is that? What is that? Where is that from? Um, it was in the uh, Index Astartes, which was like one of those like special release books they had back in the uh, like special open days and whatnot at stores. It's not like the not the Apocrypha. Yes, I'm sorry, the Apocrypha. Oh no way! It is the Apocrypha. Yep. Index oh, Apocrypha. Like the, the Index Apocrypha. What page is that? Hang on one second. I found a clip on. I have the book. I found a clip online, so I was reading it off of there. Give me one second. And for our listeners, like you guys can Google it, or I will certainly try and find a picture and post it on the uh, on our page on our Facebook page. But I tell you, this guy looks silly, and I swear this is the real model. Um, I just sent it to both Dave and Jesse. I hope you guys see it. Oh, it is rough. I can only imagine like this is back in the day though. Like we, we just had this conversation on one of our chats. There's this dude selling like an, an out of print jet bike or no, what was it? A fucking skimmer. Yeah. 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 It's, it, oh, it's, a deodorant. De- <laughs> it's a deodorant can, man. It's like a, it's like a legit deodorant can and he's selling it for like 40 pounds on, uh, on a legit, eBay. A legit, Hammer price for a legit <laughs> yeah. deodorant stick. Oh I mean, God. can I use it as deodorant and a tank at the same time? That's the real question I want to know. Yeah, if you if if you're into like using thirty year old deodorant, getting <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I love that he posted like the white dwarf article. Where he was like, he was like really like for. For the, I mean, and he may still be like it. Just it could just be total tongue in cheek, but like he seems really serious. Like he posted like the white dwarf article of where this like skimmer jet bike whatever thing came from, and he was like, "No, this is," and he like highlighted the weapons, and he was like, "This is this is this is the original kit." I was like, "No, dude, it's a fucking deodorant can." It's square at one end. Like, I mean, yeah. I think the original White Dwarf one was actually, it's rounded at all all four corners. But I could be wrong. Yeah. No, it's like how people uh, freak out over the, uh, what is it, the Imperial Marine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to redone with the Mark VI armor. with the Yeah, the one where it looks like he's about to shovel something with a, with a bayonet. I knew I saw him somewhere. He might not be in this book. He's in one of these books I own. It has to be this one. But anyway, so... I don't know. What else we guys want to talk about today? Well, I mean, speaking of uh, crazy um, lore reference and, and just inspiration, the uh, the visions of heresy are... there. I, I feel like they're where everything came from because... I, you know, the longer I listen to like Mechanicum and and some of the other like Keystone, what I would call like key, consider like Keystone novels, a lot of which Graham McNeil is actually writing, um, they all draw on the art of John Blanche, and John Blanche is like yep. this, this. He's just the visionary man, and so if you go into the the uh, the visions of Horus or the visions of the visions of heresy, is that what it's called, Jesse? Uh, yeah, there's a, yeah. four of them. 
yeah there were there were four four volumes released and then i think there was a black black library uh special edition that consolidated all of them into like two yeah. really really nice black so there's yeah four volumes visions of war visions of darkness visions of treachery and visions of death and i think you're right they re-rolled it all into a hard book called like visions of heresy i think yeah and man is that is some powerful stuff i mean you you start looking at some of that and 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 reading the descriptions and and start you know start to connect the dots on on who and what are, are in those books and i mean it's all there it's just it's all there it's the the written the richness of the world revealed um and uh, it just it to me it I just want to sit down with one of those books and a good good glass of scotch, you know, like a fifteen or twenty year glass of scotch, and you know, sit by the fireplace for like three hours uninterrupted and just like just page through those because uh, it's it's just it's just all there, man. Good stuff. They're just fun to look at, and I know it makes me feel like a kid again in some ways, where I just look at picture books and stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just like. Going through them, just this awesome artwork. Some of it looks silly, but awesome at the same time. Like you see these space marines just decked out in this, like, I don't know, truck wide <laughs> armor, <laughs> short and fat and squat and just running around. It's like, there's no way. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, half of the codexes and like the red books and things like that. And, and even just the general Horace Heresy novels, there's just so many like beautiful depictions of things that I feel like I need to sit there and look at every single one it, it, and just kind of play Where's Waldo, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially in the black books. Um, let's see. As far as news and things go, I think it was mentioned, like someone posted a picture mentioning the Horace Heresy Weekender that one of the artists will be painting up um god what's his name the tell why do i always forget this guy's name whenever i want to talk about him the head custodian valdor valdor, valdor there you go yeah so apparently it's alluded that there might be a valdor model coming up here pretty soon be exciting. that is exciting yeah, it was a little bummed we didn't get more like 30k uh weeks out of lvo um I don't think we got any, actually. Mm-mm. Yeah, and the only thing that's really come out, at least this week, is the hooray, we got more doors. <laughs> you know. <laughs> more doors. Hey, at least we're getting all these doors. Yeah. I mean, no door, so, but plenty of doors. Yeah. I mean, we're getting fists. We're getting uh, Raven Guard. Uh, we're getting, let's see, we're. Word bearers, excuse me, I always mess that up. Um, you know, EC, like nothing yep. else, though. Yep. Um, yeah. I think, Dave, you mentioned there was very little for the, the mentioned horse heresy. I have a feeling they're just saving that for the weekender, personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a, it's a, I'm sure it's a balancing act for, for Games Workshop in terms of marketing and, you know, when certain, big titles are ready. Um, but yeah. I will say just, it's, it's the weekend. Yeah. There's only like what, two or three weeks away. It's in February. I thought. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then we probably don't have too much longer to wait. I mean, hopefully something big will come out. Um, it was just, it's been really cool to see 
um, the the support that that Games Workshop has been giving to the um, American conventions, right? Like Adepticon and Nova. It's been it's been really awesome to have that support back, uh, and I certainly hope it continues. And um, it's, it's just cool those guys are coming out and actually using those um, those big events, those big conventions as a platform to kind of leak or announce some of the big uh, the big publications that are that are on the way. Yeah, pretty exciting, and it really is cool to see Games Workshop get out there and really be part of the group. Yeah, because it's been a long time, man. It's been a long time since That's they what did. I understand. That. Like they used to do open game or what did they call them? Game Games days? Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, that was like what seven or eight? Well, more than that. Then it was like what fifth edition? They stopped doing that. I think the last like, Games Day I remember being at was like two thousand and six. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So again, yeah. twelve years ago. Yeah. Jeez. Definitely. Fucking old man. <laughs> They've um, yeah, I mean, social I media department. That. They really have turned a new leaf. Just from what I've seen, just from a few years that I've been engaged in this hobby. Oh yeah, and I mean, they've been—they're pretty engaging on their social media, and like, you know, I like the fact that I don't. Again, I'm—I played. I started really with like mid sixth edition. Uh, 40k stopped for a while then came back to fantasy then to age of sigmar then to uh eighth edition so you came around the long way <laughs> yeah i came around came a really a strange way, way. <laughs> but like to me forge world was this concept of you'll never have enough money to buy anything from it but <laughs> you know i like the fact that they try and engage people by hey you could win a Pofiron or something like that, you know, yeah. just sign up. Um, yep. But- I will say for Forge World models, a lot of the time what kept me away from buying it is just because I was scared to paint it. But for me and for anyone else out there, if you're looking at Forge World stuff and you're like, man, I don't know if I can paint this up well, just do it. Buy it and do it. Because you're never going to if you're worried about it the entire time. Trust me on that one. Yeah, pro painted or not, it's still, you know, painting models is a skill that, you know, you'll you grow and grow more and more as you uh paint models. So never be afraid to try something new. Amen. Y'all wanna take a break? Yeah. Let's take a break. All right. We're back and a little segment we're gonna do worth a buy and myself i'm going to talk about the daredale pattern dreadnought now if you haven't played one of these before it's a legion dreadnought with big heavy weapons it's a heavy slot 185 points it's a vehicle walker and its base war gear is a twin linked anvilus pattern auto cannon battery a twin linked two torso mounted twin linked heavy bolters no i'm sorry a single torso-mounted twin-linked heavy bolter, smoke launcher, searchlight, and extra armor. Now, myself, I own one of these. I have a lot of fun with it. But the uh, thing that I have it equipped with, equipped with, is the Arachnus Pattern Heavy Las Cannon Battery. 
Now, it is a 48-inch range, strength 10, AP2, heavy 2, exoshock weapon. And if you haven't dealt with exoshock before, it's pretty nasty. What happens with, if you successfully hit with a weapon on a target, you roll a d6. And a roll of 4-up, the second automatic penetrating hit is inflicted on the same target against which cover saves may not be taken. That's pretty huge. Like, this gets you into blowing up, potentially blowing up just about anything in one shot. Yeah, many flyers. Yep. I myself have blown up a, a Spartan with one hit with this thing. Just getting lucky nice. with the uh, getting lucky with the AP rolling on the weapons damage table, hitting twice. Because the nice thing, this uh, Daredevil is BS5, so you're hitting on twos, which is nice. Now, I will say one of the downsides to the Daredeo is it has a single attack in combat. So, I myself, I've played against Jason before, and Jason's a very smart player. And what he would do, he would run in a bunch of weak tacticals or assault guys and just swamp the Daredeo. And because he has only one attack, even though his guys can't damage the Daredeo, there's no yeah, way I'm getting out of that. I'm right. stuck. I'm in that blob. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. useless for yeah. the rest of the game, practically. So definitely watch out for any type of anything that can try to get into close combat with it. But um, like I said for 185 points, it cannot be uh, talent. It's a single thing, but it also has a helical targeting array, helical targeting array, which is nice, which allows it if it doesn't move. You can go into Skyfire Interceptor mode in the next turn, which is pretty handy. So, like in the beginning I mean, of the game, you would never want to move it, would you? I, to be honest, I've never played a game where I had to move it. Good yeah, you usually deploy it where it's in a good fire base and leave it yep. at that. Yeah, but forty-eight inches, you typically don't want to put it all the way in a corner, but usually in the back, somewhere in the middle, so it has a good area range effect. But um. I've always had good luck with it. Its armor is not the greatest. It's your it's your standard Contemptor, 13, 12, 11. It does not have, if I'm looking at this right, yeah, it does not have a invulnerable save. So you got to watch out for that. No, it does. Because I'm looking. Oh, you're it's right. Atomatic shielding. You're right. So it's got your uh, five up invuln and six up against close combat. But yeah, the helical targeting array is where it's at. Like yeah, I know I for agree. Legion, for uh, for Legion players, anti-air can sometimes be an issue. But if you're in a place with meta is very air combat heavy, a Daredevil is definitely a nice thing to have. Now, I mean, I know you said you had one, but you actually have two of these, don't you? You're right. I do have two. I've played with one, but um, as a secret Santa gift from Jason, ironically, um, I got one for my Sons of Horus, which would be nice. But... Other than, yeah, like, there's really no downside to one of these. They can be a little expensive if you start loading up with extra weapons and things. But for the most part, I always have fun with it. I, yeah. Like, me personally, I I have fun with anything that's BS5. <laughs> Who doesn't? Right? But, yeah. And, uh, well, I think they pretty much have replaced Quarters Contemptors entirely. You think or, so? I'm sorry, not Cortis Contemptors, Mortis Contemptors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. It's the old, anything you can do, because I can before, do better. Yeah, exactly. Before, there was like a Mortis in oh, just about every list for anti-air. Just because, you know, 12 shots, 
Skyfire is pretty good. And, you know, you'd be able to rent. That'd be awesome. But uh, no, they just seem that uh, now you don't really see anymore except for like new players who have the Betrayal of Calth or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, once you've been in the hobby a while and you get a Daredeo, it just phases out your Mortis Contemptors entirely. For the most part. Kind of frees up some elite, elite slots, but it's also a single model that takes up the heavy support, which can be rough sometimes. Yeah, definitely, especially for those armies that are limited to heavy support slots. Yep. Now, Will, I seem to remember you, I remember you used to play Black Shields with a twin-linked plasma guy, right? Yeah, that was really cool. The uh, he was plasma, nasty. Yeah. Um, I mean, we played a Centurion game where I brought it, and you had a bunch of guys that were in. Uh, fortification. Well, not fortification. Um, but, yeah, rebels. Yeah, cover, basically. Yeah, and uh, I still decimated, I think, seven of them with that plasma cannon. Oh, yeah. I did the blast, and you had them stacked on three levels. So I just hit so many of them. <laughs> yep. And I felt bad because, you know, it's a Centurion game, but then at the same time, I'm like, then again, that was amazing. That thing totally yeah. earned its points back. And they were a heavy support squad, too. So they were going to be That's right. serious pain with those acelide and mucid shells or whatever you have. Yeah. The, the acid shells are pretty nasty with uh, dark angels. So it was fair enough that you got the quick shot on those before all those infantry down below. were going to be, yeah, especially on Centurion, Cause my dudes would have been done for. Oh yeah. 30 shots with a random AP or for or 10 yeah. random APs. I've seen those things get plenty of AP ones many times while you oh. play them. Well, I mean, honestly with power armor, you got a one in two chance of negating your power armor. Yeah, but um, yeah, the Daredevil did well. I loved the plasma variant. I love painting it, and I love the way it played in the battlefield. It was great. Um, now you played it with, able, the, uh, with the maximal fire. Yeah, I typically ran the. Well, I mean, it was situational, you know. That's true. Um, if I was gonna hit terminators, I'd do the uh, rapid fire one, the one that didn't get hot, and that yeah. was on a blast because those were like direct fire. Yep, it's heavy four, strength seven, AP two. People spread out with their Terminators and that kind of stuff. But this is, uh, that's strength eight, I think, the rapid fire one, isn't it? Uh, No, they're both strength seven. seven. Oh, my mistake then, yeah. But still, it's, you know, AP two, so it's just really good against Terminators if you do the direct fire. Yep, very cool. And I I did have an autocannon one in my Iron Warriors back when I played Iron Warriors. Okay, I actually uh, haven't seen anyone use the autocannon before or played against Oh, yeah. But that's actually not bad either. Strength 8, AP 4, Heavy 4, Sunder. It's actually, in my mind, better than the regular Plasma one. It is better than the regular Plasma one. Well, AP 4. Yeah, that's where the downside is, right? Yeah. But instant- And then the Sunder makes it really good against um, aircraft. Like, the, the autocannons are amazing against yeah. aircraft. And, I, I mean, I've been able to shoot down, what is it? Um, Austin's got a... Thunderbolt, he calls Jerry, and he, you know, claims it's never been shot down until he one time decided he was going to take on my Daredeo. And uh, <laughs> I think that's the only time it's ever been shot down before. It was a glorious battle, nonetheless. Yeah, it was. But he came right in, I intercepted, sky fired, and he was done. And I was like, yes, I got him finally. Very cool. But yeah, like me personally, if you're looking at something to buy, guys, a Daredeo, you can't go wrong with it. It's a solid choice. I mean, yeah, if you buy one, you're versatile, you know, if you magnetize it. Also, I, um, I forgot this war, piece of war gear, but it's actually pretty important. The uh, Aeolos. I, I just pronounced it Aeolos or Aeolos. 
See, I can't pronounce it when I'm looking at it. I think it's Aeolos. A-I-O-L-O-S. Aeolos. Aeolos. Missile launcher. Yeah. Aeolos missile launcher. It's um 60-inch range, strength 6, AP3, which is really nice. Heavy 3, pinning, and the important part, independent tracking, which is really handy. Yeah. Which allows it now, to shoot at other units that your main guns aren't shooting at. Yeah, and that's really good for um, if somebody's got a heavy support squad, that's where those missiles come in handy. If you can pin those guys or at least kill them outright with AP3, that's amazing. Yep. Very very powerful weapon for 35 points. Definitely worth it. Now, the other piece of carapace-mounted um, system is the Atomantic Pavius, which I have not played before, but I hear it's pretty good. Um. I ran it with my Iron Warriors because um, I think they were like breaching or whatever. So the breachers are really cool with it. Gotcha. So this shield increases the Derrideo's own invulnerable save to a four up against shooting attacks and grants friendly infantry models within three inches an invulnerable save of six plus against shooting. That's pretty cool. No bonus on close combat. Okay. Do not stack. Yep. What is it to a maximum of three? You said, uh, Yes, to a maximum of three plus. That's pretty good. But it does add another D three to its blast radius, and the yeah. explosion strength explosion strength is five if it blows up. So, so I also had the uh, pavase when I was rock, rocking the um, black shield breachers. Mm-hmm. So I had fifteen of those guys, and I would keep them like right in base contact with that thing for zone mortalis games, and they would just you know tramp down these corridors, getting that. You know, uh, better involved the whole time. And because they were T5, uh, if it did blow up and, um, you know, went an extra D3 or whatever to the big explosion, it wasn't going to be too much worse for him, I think. Gotcha. It's a nice setup. So I couldn't find, um, going back to our previous conversation regarding Obi-Wan. Sherlock Closeau. Couldn't find him in the Index Astartes Apocrypha. I think it was in Index Imperialis. No, no, no. I got it, man. Yeah, I got, got it. it. Okay. Dave, oh, yeah. Dave was yeah. in. I've, uh, I've been doing some some research into the uh, the web here. No, he uh, he shows up for the first time in the original Rogue Trader rulebook rule published in uh, 1987, which I think they just re-released. Um, I don't have it, uh, but it, it, uh, it's got that crazy, um, rogue trader cover. It's a hardback book. Um, there's a few copies on eBay right now you can get, but it's got that, like, uh, it's, you know, it's got Rick, Rick Priestley at the bottom, um, Citadel over on the left. It's got Warhammer 40,000 rogue trader. Um, I don't, do, do any of you guys have that, that book? No, I can't say I have. I'm gonna post a link to it, man. It's 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 like it's a super badass looking book, and I, I know they've they re-released this just recently. Um, I don't know, maybe like as a 40th anniversary thing or something. But um, yeah, it looks super awesome. And now I have to get it because Obi Wan Sherlock Clouseau, uh, the tireless exposer of psychic misdeeds and genetic deviance, uh, I feel like needs to be, he needs to be played. He is uh, he's a legendary inquisitor. We'll have to bring uh, him in as an NPC in yeah. a future event. Yeah. Yeah. It's all here. It's all here. <laughs> awesome. Or at least his great, 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 great grandfather. Qui-Gon. 
Sherlock Clouseau. <laughs> yeah. Bring him into the uh, next Arian Forge or Ariana Forge game, Dave. Arian Forge, Jesus! What the fuck kind of Freudian slip was that, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> now this guy's pretty cool, though, and uh, I will I will definitely be picking up the Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader nineteen eighty seven re release because fucking awesome. It's got Beaky Space Marines on the cover. Um, there's an Imperial fist flag that looks like it's it's being raised in uh, in a last stand. No man, this uh, this is this is awesome. The golden age. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, man, like those short, squatty uh, space marines, just kicking ass. Brother Max, yeah, and born in nineteen. Bro- Brother Lyle, so. you were born in nineteen eighty-seven. Will, yeah. Call bullshit. Call bullshit. <laughs> no, dude, I'm only 30. Yeah, and I'm two years behind him. I was born in 89. <laughs> That's crazy. No, but when, when you work with a whole bunch of crusty old grumpy men, you start to become a crusty old grumpy man in advance. Yeah, I, I think, think that's it. it. He just like rubs off on you. <laughs> I mean, I hope the, the grumpy old men aren't rubbing off on you, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Back to Freudian wow. slips. Good job. Wow. <laughs> No, they they don't. They treat me well. They're just old and grumpy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm. So what else has been going on? Let's see. Hope oh, just keeping fingers crossed for some good stuff in the Horace Heresy Weekender. That's what we'll talk about. What do you guys want? What do you guys want from Christmas? What do you guys want from Old Man Santa Horace coming in twenty eighteen? Um yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to see some rules uh, for units that we just haven't seen for. For a while or or ever, um, I, I mean, I don't think we're going to get them, but you can still hope, right? So I'd love to see rules for protectors. Um, I sort of talked about this with uh, with Jason. Uh, protectors are are they're like almost this quintessential unit within the uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, they're I think they're kind of attached to. Sk- Skitari units somewhat, but they're also independent operators. Also, you could say they're a command squad for tech priests or um, majos, um, but they are highly weaponized, um, but also definitely not uh, servitors, right? So they are, yeah. they're intelligent human beings that have been sentient. highly weaponized. Yeah, sentient. Yeah, exactly, man fucking sentient human beings that have been weaponized and they're just, they're just so badass. They show up in, in uh, master of mankind too, right? I believe so. Yeah. I, I feel like they're, I feel like there are definitely protectors in the webway, um, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, push back the demon hordes and also, uh, find the, the echo of the last murder. Right. Yep. I like what you mentioned, a command squad. That's a pretty good way to parallel them up with Legion stuff. That makes sense. So are they like, ignore my ignorance, but are they essentially like humans that the Mechanicum have turned into like tanks almost? Or are they just... Um, yeah, I, so I, I would say um, not tanks in the sense that they're like, uh, like, like they're not they've not been like augmented to the point where they've got like treads and stuff. Although some of them may, um, I think of them more as, um, 
I guess just probably they're genetically enhanced, but they're also augmented with just all kinds of really hardcore weaponry. So it's like a sentient weapons platform. Yeah. Effectively. And their job is to protect as their name implies. Yeah. And this would be a way more interesting conversation if Jason were online. Cause like he'd be able to like dial it in and tell you what unit they would most closely represent in, in the game. Like I can only tell you in the lore uh, that they're fucking awesome and they show up in all kinds of stories. I think they even show up in like um, the betrayal of Kalth um, and, and a few other uh, kind of like just off the beaten path novels, but protectors are definitely a thing. And I feel like they deserve their own, they deserve their own rule set, man, in, in the game. I, I mean, I'd like to see that. And then, obviously, some models to follow on, but you could probably kit-bash the hell out of these guys. Oh, yeah. So, this is kind of, like, on my wish list of uh, models I'd love to... Models slash rules I'd love to see. There's, um... In, let's see, I think it's Vengeful Spirit. They talk about uh, the Looper Kai, which is, like, the Gal Vorback of um, Sons of Horus. And I would love to see some rules for that. Yeah. That's just me. I'm actually reading that book right now. So it's awesome. wonderful. Spoilers. Thank you, man. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Now I, I remember them. I remember, ah, I remember reading about Lupercai before at some point or another. I mean, they don't even have to give us a new model. Like I'll paint regular Galvor back with sons of Horus armor. Just give me some rules. Well, I guess you could use the Galvorback rules, couldn't you? Effectively, I mean, if I mean um, for officially, like right now, I guess, like if you're playing a friendly game, I don't see any problem with that. It would be kind of like, yeah, unless you take like an allied detachment in a way, if you wanted to be like super strict about it. Yeah, um, Jason and I were actually talking about this is probably a month ago or so. Is like have a big Sons of Horus force and then a side allied detachment of like Galvor pack um, and like maybe a tactical squad or something like that. Yeah, I I think overall this is like a this is a fascinating transition for um, Forge World and the rest of you know the Heresy to sort of work through. It's like how do Legion Astartes become Chaos Space Marines, right? Like, it's this is this is what it's all about. How do you get to Abaddon's Black Legion? Like, how do the um, Emperor's Children become, like, the Noise Marines, right? So you've got, like, the Cataphone. But it's just, like, it's that, it's that fucking transition of corruption that happens differently to each unit, to each each legion at different times, right? Sometimes it's not even legion specific. It's like little subsets of a legion. Um, that I think, I think Forge World's done a really good job of, of managing and exploring. And, uh, it's just so fucking cool. But yeah, Pat, I definitely want to see the looper guy. Very cool. Well, for myself, obviously I'm looking forward to Angelus for obvious reasons. As an archangel player, there was, I'm trying to remember, but I read about it, and it was an epic 40k, if I remember right. It was a Sakaran variant that was also a transport. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about the Iron Hands one? Possibly. There's there's a Sakaran out there 
that has a transport ca- capability and a little different weapons set. And it sounded really cool. To have a fast transport would be pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, it'd be definitely nice to have some type of ground transport that isn't like a land raider or a rhino. You know? Yep, get a little variance in Spurs. And I mean, yeah, I didn't talk about the Spartan, but really a Spartan is just kind of like a land raider in my mind. It's just a his big brother. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Angelus, looking forward to that. Dark Jesse, what do you think you're going to get out of Angelus? Like, for do you think for like the Dark Angels, you're going to explore like so? The- yeah, as far as that, what I'm expecting, I could tell. Yeah, I'll just tell you what I want. I would love to see the Hexagrammaton brought into play. Now, obviously, that's a lot. That's six different wings. That seems like a lot for a rule book. But if I had things like in in um, Angels of Caliban. Yeah, or they had the Dreadwing. Ah, the Dreadwing is just pretty awesome. awesome. At one point in a book, where the Lion and the Dark Angels are hunting down uh, Kurds. I was about to say Kurds, Kurs, and he's on not not Ultramar, but one of the Five Hundred Worlds. And Gilliman's like, "Okay, I have permission for you to go and attack and capture him, but no or- orbital bombardment." And Lion's like, "Okay." He sends a Dreadwing down, and the Dreadwing are like, okay, let's drop some drop pods. Oh, who put all this Phosphex in these drop pods? What are we doing here? <laughs> and they just completely just carpet bomb with drop pods, Phosphex shells in the area. I would love to have some sort of unit that represents that, like just a fast attack, like a drop pod model, and it just makes a Phosphex explosion. I think that would be kind of neat. That'd be way cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now, granted, there's just so much stuff in all the books where if we had a rule or a unit for every one of them, it would be ridiculous. It would be fucking awesome, but also at the same time, it would be pretty uh, pretty crazy. I mean, heck, a lot of the newer stuff is still on experimental rules, you know? Yeah, that's true. But and it, I mean, what would be really cool if they had. Like I know, Games Workshop puts out that um, that annual every year. If Forge World yeah. had something like that, just like an annual book that comes out with a whole bunch of like special characters or fun variants of units you already own, that would be pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, I know at least as a 40k player, they just re-released Chapter Approved, or they're starting to do Chapter Approved again. It'd be chapter awesome. Approved. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, it'd be awesome to definitely see that for a 30k. Legion approved. That would be pretty baller. Yeah, like a heret like a heresy journal. That'd be uh be pretty badass, man. Or even like a red book that came out, you know, annually or, you know, something like with that frequency. But I think uh I think Angelus would will give us um will certainly give us some depth into the the Dark Angels, definitely the Blood Angels as well. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like what do you know what that's supposed to cover in terms of uh like timeline? Do you know where what what engagements Angelus is supposed to cover? I do know they mentioned the Thromus Crusade. Okay. Which if my um my mind is working right, kind of takes place right before Imperium Secundus, which will Deal mostly, I believe, with the Dark Angels and the Light and the Night Lords. I'm not a hundred percent sure about the other stuff, though. Interesting. 
Yeah, no, that'll be great, man. I, I can't wait for the next black book. I mean, there's so much goodness that comes out of that. And I'm curious, you know, I'm, this will also be the first black book after the passing of Mr. Bly as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for sure. I think everyone's going to be, um, yeah, we'll just, you know, as a community, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be interested in, in where that direction seems to go. And, uh, definitely forge world, take your time, get it right. Um, we can wait. We've got a lot of material to get through. <laughs> no, That's right. no worries there. Just no more doors, please. No more doors. Oh, I think they're almost done with the doors. <laughs> but yeah, from I mean, I came into the Horus Heresy right at the time where they were releasing units, but felt like every few weeks, like every two or three weeks, there'd be a new Heresy unit out there. But from what I understand, it wasn't always like that. Like sometimes you had to wait months for stuff to come out. So, I mean, I've got seven black books on the shelf. I've got seven black books. I've got the two visions of Horsey or Harris, Horace Harris. (laughs) Every cast, every cast. Dave does it. Horsey, the Horsey, you know, the battle of McCraig. I mean, there's just, there's so much stuff to get through. And, uh, and yeah, there's like, there's no rush, man. I mean, when it comes out, it'll be awesome. And, we'll totally love it and we'll go hard in the paint for it. But like, um, yeah, just get it right, man. Just get it right. Yep. Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. Great product. And I think that'd be a good, a good note to leave on. What do you guys think? Most definitely. Definitely. All right. I'm Jesse. And for the Remembrance Retreat, Dave and Pat signing off. Have a good night, y'all.